You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of John Chapter 3, Power of the You have no idea what's coming. Mr. Witt broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this, we are less than even. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. Would you help set the mood for our new guest? Let us begin. Our service is still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. think you can take John Wick. You've got a nasty surprise coming. I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. And so far, you haven't disappointed. We can keep this up as long as you'd like. But this only ends one way. All of this for what? Because of a puppy? Wasn't just a puppy. Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for John Wick, Chapter 3, Power of Bellum, and the story is as follows. After gunning down a member of the High Table, the shadowy International Assassins Guild, legendary hitman John Wick finds himself stripped of the organization's protective services. Now stuck with a $14 million bounty on his head, Wick must fight his way through the streets of New York as he becomes the target of the world's most ruthless killers. The film is starring Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, Lawrence Fishburne, Mark Dacascos, Asia Kate Dillon, Lance Reddick, Angelica Houston, and Ian McShane. It is directed by Chad Stileski, written by Derek Colstead, Shay Hatton, Chris Collins, and Mark Abrams. Join me for this review. I have Tom O'Brien. Hey, Matt. Hi, everybody. All right. So he's back. I'm guessing he's back. <laughs> uh, John Wick, as Lawrence Fishburne says in this movie. Oh, man, I really love the direction of the John Wick franchise so far. I have been enjoying the hell out of this ride from Keanu Reeves in his 50s, nonetheless. Uh, Really reignited his career with 2014's John Wick. Then we got John Wick Chapter 2 back in 2017. And now here we are with the third film, John Wick Chapter 3, Power Bellum, which I thought Tom heading into this was going to be the last film in the John Wick series. And I guess that's not true. It seemed to be uh, heading towards a big climax at the end of three. And then 
all of a sudden there are some very strong hints that there will be more. Looking at all three films, we're going to be talking, obviously, about John Wick Chapter 3, Power Bellum, in detail today. But I also want to get a read from you on where it stands uh, compared to the first two films. So uh, it's just you and me today. So let's uh, start off with you there, Tom. Uh, what did you ultimately think of John Wick Chapter 3, Power Bellum? Well, I, uh, it, it, thankfully, it doesn't uh, suffer from um, the, the three-ology curse of the third film being substantially worse uh at this one i i think if the action the action was probably best in two but the action here is just amazing uh i would probably place it third uh among the john uh, wick films but that's only because i had a just i'm i was not as engaged with the john wick character in this one as i was in the first two uh, it, it's almost as if the stunts have taken over the characterization. And I, I, I don't mean that to be a serious criticism, but sometimes I found myself stepping out of the film and just thinking, wow, that's great choreography. How did they film that? And it does, t you know, and if I'm if I'm asking those questions, I'm not in the movie the way I should be. And that didn't happen all the time, but sometimes it did. Uh, but uh, the action is just uh, jaw dropping in this and fun, uh, despite the high body count. Uh, it's a, I think it's a worthy successor. And uh, I, boy, I hope people go see it. I'm with you uh, on this one a bit, actually. I really enjoyed the first John Wick film. I thought it was quite a surprise. John Wick Chapter 2 uh, really widened the world that John Wick inhabited in this assassin underworld that's ruled by the high table. It also carried with it another revenge story that the first film had. And I do like the fact that the third film does not try to do another revenge story, uh, much like chapter two. Chapter three picks right off where chapter two last let off. And so uh, this actually, you know, them calling this uh, these sequels chapters actually feels very appropriate because it does feel like, you know, you're turning the book in a story here for this character. And each chapter is a little bit more distinct than the last one, uh, but it is still a continuation of the same story. The decision for John Wick to come back into this assassin underworld that he does in 2014 due to uh, revenge for a puppy has uh, uh, consequences have actions, which has been the tagline for this film. And we see the ripple effect of that from that first film into the second. And then that bleeds over into the third film with John Wick being excommunicado, where he has all of the services of the Continental Hotel and all other establishments under the high table stripped from him. And this film really sets itself up as John Wick versus the world. I like that. It felt like the stakes were higher Yes. Then the last film, but for me, the emotional stakes were missing in this one, where the first two films, as I said, were built more around a revenge storyline and felt personal. This film was more about John Wick simply trying to survive, and I didn't get the necessary personal or emotional hook 
with this third film that I felt that the first two films uh, delivered on that made me more invested, like you said, in the John Wick character. Yeah. Where would you place uh, John Wick 3 in uh, the, among the three films? I would actually say it is my least favorite for that specific reason, but that doesn't mean that I am negative on the film or that I do not like it. I like it a hell of a lot. In fact, if you're an action junkie, this movie is going to cure any itch that you have for the genre because holy hell, you are right. Uh, as far as the quality of the choreography, the fight scenes, the set pieces, the gun foo, as it now has uh, been commonly called, uh, this film really takes the cake. There are set pieces in this that are remarkable. It's, it's almost like a musical. Uh, every, every, every shootout, every knife fight is this big, grand spectacle. And we go from one to another to another. In the first, you know, 15 minutes, we have a uh, fight in the New York Public Library where the weapon of choice is a library book. Oh, my God. It's like they said, how can we top the pencil kill yes. from the second film? And they showed uh, – that was absolutely ridiculous. I, I actually like that this film leans – I think maybe even more so than the last film, it leans more in the absurdist humor yes. of who John Wick ultimately is to all these other guys. He's commonly referred to as the boogeyman. And the, there's, there's there's two things about that. One, it's absolutely hysterical, some of the uh, moments in the fight scenes and how they play off of that. But the other thing that I feel like it maybe robs the film of, like I said, in terms of its stakes a little bit, is... John Wick does come off as indestructible, and I do feel that they struggle at times to strike a balance between the fact that he is, a, you know, he is just a man, ultimately, a seemingly indestructible man in his 50s who gets tired, is slowing down a little bit, he gets injured. But then they kind of push that a little bit too much where there are times where John Wick's getting hit by cars, falling off of buildings, and I'm standing there and I'm just like, I don't buy that he's still going. You know what I mean? It's a little too much. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it keeps you from really worrying about him. Yeah. No, there's never a point in these movies where I ever worry about him. You're 100% correct about that. Now, I did start to worry maybe a little bit in this one uh, because, though, of the fact that I thought this was the final film yeah. in the John Wick series. And I thought to myself, oh, there's a chance that, you know, John Wick may not actually survive after all. Maybe the story that they're telling is this is a guy who's going to fight until every last breath in his body is, uh, you know, been used up. And, I mean, they really do play that up. Like, I mean, Asia Kate Dillon, uh, when they ultimately, you know, unleash the armies of the high table onto uh, John Wick. And it's just this onslaught of uh, heavily armored gunmen. You know, you start saying to yourself, wow, that's only the first wave. And he barely, you know, is able to get through it. And it's like, how much can one man ultimately take? Yeah. And, and, and the and the feared conclusion of the of the of the series in Chapter three really could lend itself to John finally not being able to take it anymore. Exactly. So, yeah. So that, there wasn't very near the end uh, for me as well. There is something to be said for the fact, too, that this film is the longest of the three films. It's uh, 131 minutes long. And it's also the most action-packed, probably the lightest on story, I would say. Yes. And it's definitely, it, I would say probably... 
the most briskly paced film of the three. Because of that, it's just nonstop action set piece to action set piece throughout. I mean, the action set pieces themselves. I mean, like the the one with Halle Berry goes on for a very long time. <laughs> it was it was insanely wild, and it's one of the best set pieces in the entire film, I think. Yeah, no, it's insane. I almost felt like that could have been the climax of the movie, actually. But no, they keep on going from there. So much so that when we do get to, I would say, the... um, I call it the raid sequence, because obviously it's starring the guys from the raid along with uh, Mark Dacascos. uh, And he has this climactic one-on-one fight with uh, John Wick towards the end of the film. And... I have to say, by the time we got to that fight, I might have been a little let down. Just a bit. Did you feel that at all? Well, it's it's funny. That fight, what, 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 what was meaningful for me for that fight is that rather than all of the faceless people who have, you know, battled him and lost, the henchmen who died in the hundreds, it seems like, uh, throughout the film – these three guys, the first in the, uh, the the scene with the pair, and then finally with the, the Cascos, uh, there is a characterization there. There is a respect of John. Oh, yeah. That makes it, okay, I get it. These are, you know, John Wick and this guy feel, you know, they are evenly matched, and they know each. They are know, they, though? No, are they evenly matched? There's not, but does um, uh, Costco's believes he is? Well, like 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 we said earlier, there was never a point where I ever thought that anyone was a threat to John. You know, like Mark occupies the slot that Common had in the last film, yeah, where he probably is the person that's positioned as the most evenly matched uh, for John. But by the time you know John survives everything that he survives and he gets to that fight, I. I don't know, something about that fight for me just seemed very anticlimactic. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the fact that it took place within the same setting as the previous fight. I don't know if it was simply the fact that I just couldn't buy into John uh, being this tired and still pulling it out. I don't know. Some, there was like a disconnect for me. And I know for others, it maybe works. And and granted, there are other set pieces throughout the film where uh, this was working for me a lot. Like I said before, the Halle Berry sequence with the dogs is like, oh. that's, I, I you know, my theater went absolutely nuts during <laughs> that scene. But by the time, you know, we get to this um, sequence in the, in the third act, where, you know, I said on our last podcast review, review for John Wick Chapter 2 that John the John Wick series feels like America's uh, answer to the raid in many ways. So how appropriate that we actually do get a raid uh, choreographed-esque fight sequence. Um, but by the time, you know, he dispatches of the two guys and then we get to the, the fight with Mark, I don't know. I was expecting a little bit more. That's all. I like the ending, though. I like the actual ending of it, you know, where uh, the moment gets quiet between the two of them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, there are fewer places to breathe for the story in this particular one. Um, but the ones that the, the times that they do allow us to breathe, it's to meet new, interesting characters, such as the Angelic Houston a ballet master. Which I was hoping to get more of. Like her, Halle Berry, like all these wonderful additions to the cast here. I, I actually, 
I like I like the cast that they have assembled, you know, with Ian McShane and Lance Reddick uh, returning. And Asia K. Dillon is a wonderful addition as the antagonist of this film. Absolutely love how they played their uh, performance in terms of the just blunt, emotionless, cold demeanor that. I mean, I heard people in the theater mumbling around me like, oh, I just want them to get it so bad from John Wick. <laughs> like, you know, like wonderfully characterized as a villain that you just, you know, you just want to see John just get them, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that. I'm really happy you mentioned the absurd humor in it because if you you can take it on a certain level, there's some very funny moments in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the time we were here, he's kind of a celebrity, not just in the uh, uh, underground world, but above mm-hmm. ground as well. Uh, yeah, he'll he'll hop into a cab and you know where to, Mister Wick. <laughs> it's like he, he's he's somebody like they see every, on TV every week. He's uh, just so uh, become so famous, and there there's no place left for him to hide. I mean, they even lean into the Matrix at one point when he says the line to Ian McShane, "Guns." Lots of guns. I was like, yo, I'm like, did they have to like ask for permission from the Wachowskis? Like, what is going on here? But it was so fantastic, you know. But it's a it's a great it's a wonderful look at New York and New Yorkers. There's a very funny um, uh, big killing scene in the middle of uh, Grand Central Station. And New Yorkers are just they're not phased by the whole thing. All this. Oh, no. Trust me. Speaking from experience, we're not. (laughs) It's it's, it's like, get out of the way. I'm trying to get to my train. (laughs) I mean, some of the kills also, you talk about the the humor in this. I love that they're just finding new creative ways for John to dispatch of his enemies because there's only so many times that he could shoot a gun and kill somebody. But in this film, I mean, the the scenes with the horses, I I, I lost my shit during those. (laughs) That was amazing. And so absurd like you said that to see John Wick on a horse just going through New York I I just (laughs) like there came a point where I started to wonder if this movie was going to jump the shark a little too bit and there is a moment where John like I said earlier John kind of falls off of a building at one point where I really did feel that the film started to stretch that for me yeah and I was like, okay, like, I don't know if I'm buying this anymore. Um, they're really starting to make him really indestructible. But, you know, there's the sequence with the motorcycles and, the, you know, the guys chasing him with the swords on it. And it's like there comes a certain point where it's like, all right, Tom Cruise has his thing that he's doing a Mission Impossible. Liam Neeson had his thing that he was doing with Taken. This is Keanu Reeves's thing. And he is, you know, leaning into... Ultimately, uh, what we fell in love with about him back in the 90s, that speed matrix, you know, kind of an action star. And he's doing it in his 50s. God bless him. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, I would rank this up with Mission Impossible in terms of remarkable stunt work. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the Mission Impossible stunts are, might be a little bit more impressive on a grander scale. But yes, I do agree that the stunt work in this is highly 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 fantastic i mean 
the fact that Chad Stileski chooses to shoot so much of it in wide shots with very little cutting, you know, you do kind of see the timing a little bit between Keanu and the stunt team uh, where it's like they're waiting for the next move and sometimes it may not be as seamless, Mm -hmm. but there is an appreciation that I have for them not trying to hide that with editing and making it um, confusing to the viewer at times. You know, I was very easily able to follow all the action that was going on at all times. The, the fights are very comprehensible. And I think where the, the, the main difference is so much of the Mission Impossible stunt work is on a huge scale. And the, the stunt work here is sometimes very claustrophobic. Uh, early on in that scene with, with the uh, uh, antique guns and knives, they're working in a little corridor, a little aisle space. And there's so much action going on in this tiny, tiny space with knives being thrown and, and the like. And they managed to uh, choreograph this entire violent ballet in, in, in such a small space. It's, it, that's, I think that's John Wick's own niche is being able is the interior stunts, much like the raid uh, that uh, that build and build and build in, in less grandiose much, much smaller spaces, but just as effective. I mean, like that one sequence in the antique uh, store with the knives yes. was like, I mean, there were some there were some kills in this, Tom, where my audience was so engaged and so involved with everything that was happening on screen. It, it actually makes these movies in a, you know, kind of a morbid sort of way due to the brutal symphony of violence that they orchestrate uh just a a, a delight you know it's highly highly entertaining and i mean i say that as someone who recognizes that this film can be extraordinarily graphic and brutal at times with its violence yes yeah i mean it it is i don't want to say the violence is comic but the sheer volume of it uh, there is that kind of absurdity of of the intensity of all of this that rather than just squirm in your seat, you can you know you you can laugh at just how clever the whole thing is. Oh yeah, I mean you start to laugh at you know I, I don't know Tom how many video games you you play or if any, but there comes like a certain point where you're watching and you're saying to yourself, all right, John Wick just killed like 15 guys in a row. Now he's going to call in like a kill streak at this point and do something absolutely freaking remarkable. <laughs> That'll take out another 15 guys. It's like it, 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 like I said, it stretches that level of believability where certain films I do feel like, uh, you know what? Mission Impossible is actually not a good comparison because Mission Impossible, I do feel, straddles a fine line between trying to make its um, action realistic, uh, but also, like I said, so big in scope, especially with the last film, Fallout, that you can't help but buy into the fact that, you know, because they shoot it all practically, that there's a degree of realism there. Uh, John Wick also straddles that fine line as well, but it's definitely more uh, foreign based in terms of its influences. You know what I mean? It's not so Americanized almost. Um, and I think yeah. that also the cinematography uh, by uh, Academy Award nominee Dan Lawson really also highlights that with some of the neon lighting that he does uh, for illustrating like New York City. Like th- there are times where you're watching this and it just feels like you're watching like a live action anime, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a, the, the Asian influence is everywhere. 
here. And that gives it a, uh, you know, it, it, but it's not, it's set in America, but it's not Americanized. It really takes the Asian sensibility to America, but it preserves it. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, the, and it reminds me very much of, of um, violence I see in Asian films uh, in a very good way. Yeah. So for me, I, I definitely found this third film to be a little less focused in terms of its story compared to the first two. And it's interesting because I've actually read some takes where people feel the exact opposite. They actually say that this one is actually the best. But the film starts off with John being excommunicado. He has to fight off all of these people that are essentially trying to kill him for the bounty that's on his head. He does not necessarily get help from anyone. We find out very little, but, you know, I would say enough about his backstory in this. And I mean... There is something to be said, too, for a, a character that we instantly relate to because of the basic human qualities that they give to him in the first film and the revenge uh, plot line. Uh, but little by little, it's like they don't really give you that much more and they barely give him any lines. So he's constantly almost a blank slate for us to project our own feelings onto. which is which is good. But I do feel that they needed with this film just a little bit more story yeah. because like I said, he's fighting off the like wave after wave of bad guys. And then we get to the end of the film and we're kind of right back to where we started. I feel like, yes. and I don't know for this being the longest film in the franchise, if it covered as much ground in terms of the chapters of the life of John Wick, other than to give action junkie fans exactly what they wanted coming into this and believe me they definitely deliver on that front (laughs) but i wish there are moments in there for example i would love to have known why john wick has a marker with the angelica houston character what did he do for her well i think that's uh from his childhood yeah yeah i sensed that but uh it it was it, it points up to uh the i don't want to say lack of story back back story but i have heard that they are going to do some sort of a spin-off actually based on that establishment i don't know if it was called um a ballerina or something like that but i i had overheard that they are going to do their first ever spin-off film based on the john wick series and it's going to be somehow tied to the angelica houston uh ballerina world that they kind of set up there i mean that is so whacked out You've got tattooed ballerinas doing Swan Lake and at the same time uh, going to school to become assassins. I love that. It's essentially, uh, what is it? What was that movie with Jennifer Lawrence uh, from uh, a year ago? A, a Red Sparrow. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I, I think Halle Berry is as effective in this as anything in the past few years. I wanted more of her. I really did. When she yeah. said goodbye, I don't think it's going to be the end of her, I hope. Um, but it, it's like, oh, no, 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 don't go, don't go. Well, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but, you know, one aspect of the second film that I really, really loved was Common, actually. And I was begging to see him in this third film. So I was incredibly disappointed when he actually doesn't show up in this. Uh, I'm hoping that they're saving that in their back pocket for another film. But I, I echo the same sentiment with Halle Berry, where when we inevitably get... John Wick Chapter 4, whatever 
the subtitle of it is called. Um, I really, really hope to see some of these other characters that have kind of dangled off uh, return. Then again, I also have to remind myself that um, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum takes place immediately after Chapter 2. And uh, when we last saw a comment, he was in a pretty precarious situation. <laughs> so there's there's a chance that he's not quite healed and ready to be reintroduced into the story just yet. <laughs> please come back, Common and uh, Hallie, too, and bring your yes. Yeah. Also, one thing we haven't actually mentioned uh, so far in this review is that this is also the first film uh, to be taken internationally yes. for the for the lead character. Uh, they shot in Morocco uh, for the scenes with uh, Halle Berry. And I have to ask, like, you know, John eventually does go to visit a very important character in the desert, uh, played by uh, Saeed uh Tagmahu, I think I think his name is. I, I, he's been in a couple of different films. Uh, most recently, I believe he, he was in um, Wonder Woman. Uh, I think people will most recognize him from. Uh, but I got to ask, because uh, Tom, I, I had mixed feelings on this. What did you think about that whole sequence? I was let down by it. Um, it's like it's been built up and build up and build up. And it just seemed like an ordinary scene. It also felt a little I, 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 I like that there's a degree of mysticism behind it all yeah but at the same time i was i was let down by how simple it came across you know what i mean i i actually expected something almost i i don't know like i i thought to myself you know for such a legendary figure who is apparently at the cream of the crop at the very very top Okay, of this order, this chain of order, I I, I was a little surprised and taken aback by uh, the way that they chose to portray that level of power. Yeah, in both the set design and I don't know, I just got this feeling that oh, it, I don't know what they wanted it to come across as. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it, it just seemed ordinary, and I had no idea why. Um, I didn't get that feeling like this is this is someone who you really have to bow down to. Um, it, it just well, they do they do try to make him come off like he's a king. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. But you know, th- without the trappings. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of ki- speaking of king, uh, what do you think of Lawrence Fishburne uh, coming back and this as the king of the Bowery? Love, love, love. Oh, <laughs> he's having such a fun time. He said he's so good at it, God. And uh, it's it, and the, I'd like the scenes uh, with him and uh, Asia K. Dillon. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's 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 the king of the Bowery, and you're not going to take that away from him. No, I, I also really like the way that the high table uh, displays their sense of justice in this film. You know, I kept wondering uh, every time Asia Kate Dillon was expressing to uh, those who have aided John Wick in the past, you know, what their what their punishment was going to be for their crime. And I, I have to say, like, there's another added layer to the mysteries surrounding this underground assassin world that just makes it all the more exciting and intriguing because there's like this code that they follow. Sometimes, you know, the punishment is pretty horrific. Uh, but at other times, it's also uh, something that you look and you say to yourself, you know what? As barbaric as that is, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was raised as a Catholic and, uh, the 
code of this group reminds me a little bit of Catholicism because they use terms like excommunicado, which, you know, for non-Catholics means you're bounced from religion. And yeah. uh, and uh, sanctification is very important in uh, the Catholic faith. And so that when um, the continental is desanctified, again, using that kind of religious term. Was it deconsecrated, I think consecrated. they say? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, and and there are rules to follow. And uh, it's not as har- it, the Catholic Church is not as harsh as this. You can sin and be forgiven in confession. But you, you, you create a sin like killing somebody in the continental. And uh, that's, you know, you, you really have to atone for that. Uh, and I, but I, I liked the rules that they're said. This this world is just getting more and more complex. And I love the way they reveal it slowly. And just a word about the art direction in the Continental. This this hotel is amazing. I'm going to stay there. <laughs> check in tomorrow. Uh, it, it is it is a remarkable conceit. And uh, and it's and Ian McShane is so good. Uh, you know, he is the he is also the king, much like Lawrence Fishburne is the king downtown. He's the king at the Continental. And uh, it uh, it's I'm so happy that it was back and so key and um, that so many of the most interesting scenes in the film take place there, particularly the rooftop scene near the end. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with you on that. Great out of 10 Oscar potential. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Tom? I'm uh, very happy. It seems like it's going to be a big hit. Uh, domestically, um, John Wick 2 grossed $92 million, which was almost double what the first one did. And it looks like uh, John Wick 3 will probably pass uh, that $92 million mark next weekend. Uh, and, yeah. And, and it was, I was thrilled. I went to an 11 o'clock a weekday showing of it, uh, and uh, I got the last ticket. Wow. Nice. Completely sold out. And I was in a lot of the audience was elderly and I was waiting for walkouts. God love them. They stayed through the whole thing and applauded at the end. So I'm very I I think this is going to be this is going to reach people who have never seen it before. But I think the film is clear enough so that even if you haven't seen the first two, go to the third. You you might get a little more out of it if you know the backstory. But I think the film works on its own. Uh, So for me, this film was definitely an eye opener because, like I said, I headed into this thinking that this was actually going to be the last film. But it does appear that there will be another film after this. And who knows if there will be another one again. I was a little let down that certain characters, like I said, Common, John Leguizamo. um, I also really enjoyed – I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays uh, Officer Jimmy. Uh, who was also in the first two films. Uh, They don't return, but this film does introduce us to uh, Asia Kate Dillon's uh, character, Angelica Houston, and and, and Halle Berry. So I actually like now that heading hopefully into the next film, we can maybe get a combination of these different characters, uh, plus maybe a few uh, more additions, and really up the ante a little bit, hopefully in terms of the story, if the next film is going to be the last one, to really give this uh, franchise a grand conclusion to the John Wick uh, character arc and saga but 
for John Wick Chapter 3, it does feel like it's almost spinning its wheels at times, uh, just simply delivering action for the sake of action. Uh, it really is contingent upon your emotional investment from the first two films. So if that isn't really there, I don't know if this film will do it for most people. Then again, there is something to be said for the fact that all of the set pieces, literally every single one of them, is so well done, so well choreographed, that if you just want to go to the theater and just be mesmerized by some of the set pieces that are on display, uh, you'll definitely get your money's worth with this film. Uh, with that said, great out of 10 for John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum, which, you know, as we also find out, uh, is basically, uh, was it prepare for war, ultimately? You know, the, the second part of the phrase, if you want peace, and then Parabellum is prepare for war. Uh, let's see. Well, I would give this a 7 out of 10. I gave the first film 7 out of 10. I gave the second film an 8 out of 10. I'd give this a 7 out of 10 uh, as well. I'd also rank it, I would say, third, right beneath, just right below the first film for me, which was so original and so fresh and exciting. And like I said before, also intriguing with this world that they introduced us to. I thought chapter two really expanded upon that, gave John another compelling revenge story arc to follow through with. And I loved the uh, set pieces in that second film as well. The set pieces in the third film are definitely the best, but I argue it's also the weakest in terms of its story. So that's why it lands in third place for me. Tom? I agree with you completely. Uh, I gave the first one an eight, uh, largely because of the surprise. Uh, and this looked to me like it was should have been a direct-to-video before I saw it. And I saw yeah. this thing, and it's like, oh, my God, where has this been all my life? Uh, and the, and the second one just, it just expanded that, this amazing world that the, uh, the Wick, uh, movies have, uh, created out of nothing. Uh, but I agree. I would, I would probably drop in a notch to seven, mostly because of the lack of emotional connection that the first two had. Uh, but, uh, man, these set pieces in this are amazing and, uh, it sets a pretty high bar for stunt work. Uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's definitely the case. I'll, I will be hard-pressed to find an action film that rivals this in terms of what this film has to offer. And, you know, for those out there that still haven't given this franchise a chance yet, maybe because of those um, B-movie-like sensibilities that I do admit it can give off at times, uh, I think that anyone that gives John Wick films a chance that hasn't before, then again, I don't know how many people are listening to this that are in that boat. But if you are in that boat, uh, you do owe it to yourself, I think, to at least check it out. Uh, I definitely think that they are incredibly surprising, uh, very, very unexpectedly dense, but also very simple. Like we said before, uh, John Wick is a man of very few words, and uh, sometimes that makes for the best kind of action films. I think to, back to something like Mad Max Fury Road, where it was very light on uh, story and character, but there was enough richness to the world that these characters inhabited that helped you to fill in the blanks for yourself and project your own level of imagination and allow for that escapism that you get when you watch a movie like this to really shine through even more so. Um, with that said, uh, where do we stand maybe with Oscar potential? Because I have to imagine that the John Wick films might maybe at some point land maybe in a sound editing category at some point, maybe? I, I think that would be its only prayer. 
But a May release is very tough. Not to mention, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, the Mission Impossible films have never received a single Oscar nomination, have they? So Yeah, and and those are staggering in their quality. Yeah, I mean it was it's still a crime to me that Fallout did not get recognition at all. Uh so I guess if that didn't get anything, I don't think that this stands a chance, but it's still, you know, regardless of that, it's still something that's worthy of I would say, you know, that level of consideration, not to mention, uh, too, SAG Stunt Ensemble. Yes. Oh, man. And I think they may have a chance at that. Yeah. I don't I don't see why not. And watch, watch it then lose out to something else that, you know, has less impressive stunt work, but is a more awards-friendly film. <laughs> that, that, that could be. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the case. Okay. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, uh, putting this one to bed here, and uh, we will be back for more adventures, hopefully, with John Wick. Uh, Keanu Reeves has said that he is open to doing more films as long as people keep going to see them, and it looks like that this film is going to outgross the second film. So, John Wick, he will be back once again. All right, Tom, where can they find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at, at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of John Wick Chapter 3, Power Bellum, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. Write us a comment. Rate us five stars. We really, really appreciate that. It helps for more people to discover us. So if you really like what you're listening to, it takes you only two seconds. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating on there. Also, too, if you're feeling really supportive, head on over to Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.